0: Welcome to this new chapter in the inimitable world of Bertie and Jeeves. This is your narrator, Jim Campanella. Over the next few weeks, Uvila Audio will be presenting Jeeves and the Feudal Spirit by P. G. Wodehouse. This book is the sequel to The Mating Season, but as we've said before, with most of Wodehouse's books, it can be read all on its own and it will still make perfect sense, or at least as much sense as any of these books ever really do. Written originally in 1954, The feudal spirit concerns, at least in part, Bertie's new mustache. Poor Bertie has been growing the mustache for the last two weeks that Jeeves has been on a shrimping vacation, and he fears that Jeeves will not like it. And sure enough, Jeeves does not. And neither do any of his other friends, except for Lady Florence Cray, his former fiancee, now engaged, to Bertie's great relief, to Stilton Cheesewright. Against this stormy background, a great drama unfolds concerning a stolen necktie and the threat of marriage, but will Jeeves actually help out Bertie this time, when Worcester's stubbornly-kept mustache is so clearly in the way of his succor? And now, Jeeves and the Feudal Spirit. CHAPTER 1 As I sat in the bathtub, soaping a meditative foot and singing, if I remember correctly, "'pale hands I loved beside the shalimar. It would be deceiving "'my public to say that I was feeling boobs a daisy The evening "'that lay before me promised to be one of "'those sticky evenings, "'no good to man or beast. "'My Aunt Dahlia, "'writing from her country residence, "'Brinkley Court, down in Worcestershire, "'had asked me as a personal favour "'to take some acquaintances of hers out to "'dinner, a couple of the name "'of Trotter. They were, "'she said, creeps of the first water,' "'and would bore the pants off me. "'But it was imperative that they be given the old oil, "'because she was in the middle of a very tricky business deal "'with the male half of the sketch, "'and at such times every little bit helps.' "'Don't fail me, my beautiful, bountiful Bertie,' "'her letter concluded on a note of poignant appeal. "'Well, this Dahlia is my good and deserving aunt, "'not to be confused with Aunt Agatha, "'the one that kills rats with her teeth and devours her young.' So when she says, don't fail me, I don't fail her. But as I say, I was in no sense looking forward to the binge. The view I took of it was that the curse had come upon me. and had done so, moreover, at a moment when I was already lowered spiritually by the fact that for the last couple of weeks or so, Jeeves had been away on his summer holiday. Round about the beginning of July each year, he downs tools, the slacker, and goes off to Bono Regis for the shrimping, leaving me in much the same position as those poets one used to have to read at school who were always beefing about losing gazelles. For without this right-hand man at his side, Bertram Worcester becomes a mere shadow of his former self and in no condition to cope with any ruddy trotters. Brooding darkly on these trotters, whoever they might be, I was starting to scour the left elbow and had switched to our sweet mystery of life when my reverie was interrupted by the sound of a soft footstep in the bedroom I sat up alert and as you might say agog the soap frozen in my grasp if feet were stepping softly in my sleeping quarters it could only mean I felt unless of course a burglar had happened to drop in that the prop of the establishment had returned from his vacation no doubt looking bronzed and fit a quiet cough told me I had reasoned astutely and I gave tongue is that you Jeeves? yes sir home again what? Yes, sir. Welcome to 3A Berkeley Mansions, London W-1, I said, feeling like a shepherd when a strayed sheep comes trickling back to the fold. Did you have a good time? Most agreeable, thank you, sir. You must tell me all about it. Certainly, sir, at your convenience. I'll bet you hold me spellbound. What are you doing in there? A letter has just arrived for you, sir. I was placing it on your dressing table. Will you be dining in, sir? No, outblast it! A blind date with some slabs of Gorgonzola, sponsored by Aunt So if you want to go to the club, carry on. As I mentioned elsewhere in these memoirs of mine, Cheese belongs to a rather posh club for butlers and valets called the Junior Ganymede, situated somewhere in Curzon Street, and I knew that after his absence from the Metropolis, he'd be all eager to buzz round there and hobnob with the boys, picking up the threads and all that sort of thing. When I've been away for a week or two, my first move is always to make a bee line for the drones. I'll bet you get a rousing welcome from the members with a hey-nonny-nonny and a hot shot cha I said. Did I hear you say something about there being a letter for me? Yes, sir. It was delivered a moment ago by a special messenger. Important, you think? One can only conjecture, sir. Better open it and read the contents. Very good, sir. There was a stage wait of about a minute and a half during which my moodiness now much lessened, I rendered roll out the barrel, I love a lassie, and every day I bring thee violets in the ordered name. In due season his voice filtered through the woodwork. The letter is of considerable length, sir. Perhaps if I were to give you its substance. Do so, Jeeves, already at this end. It is from a Mr. Percy Gorringe, sir. Omitting extraneous matter and concentrating on essentials, "'Mr. Gorridge wishes to borrow a thousand pounds from you.' "'I started sharply, causing the soap to shoot from my hand "'and fall with a dull thud on the bath-mat. "'With no preliminary warning to soften the shock, "'his words had momentarily unmanned me. "'It is not often that one is confronted "'with ear-biting on so majestic a scale, "'a fiver till next Wednesday being about the normal tariff. "'You said, what, jeez? "'A thousand pounds?' "'But who is this hound of hell? I don't know any goranges.' "'I gather from his communication that you and the gentleman have not met, sir, "'but he mentions that he is the stepson of Mr. L. G. Trotter, "'with whom Mrs. Travers appears to be acquainted.' "'I nodded. Not much use, of course, as he couldn't see me. "'Yes, he's on solid ground there, I admitted. "'Aunt Dahlia does know Trotter. "'He's the bloke she's asked me to put the nose-bag on with tonight.' So far so good, but I didn't see that being Trotter's stepson entitles this Gorringe to think he can sit on my lap and help himself to the contents of my wallet. I mean, it isn't a case of any stepson of yours, LG Trotter, as a stepson of mine. Dash it, Jeeves. Once start letting yourself be touched by stepsons, and where are you? The word flies round the family circle that you're a good provider and uproll all the sisters and cousins and aunts and nephews and uncles to stake out their claims. Several being injured in the crush... The place becomes a shambles. There is much in what you say, sir, but it appears to be not so much a loan as an investment that the gentleman is seeking. He wishes to give you the opportunity of contributing the money to the production of his dramatization of Lady Florence Cray's novel Spindrift. Oh, that's it, is it? I see. One begins to follow the trend of thought. This Florence Cray is well i suppose you could call her a sort of step cousin of mine or cousin once removed or something of that nature she is lord wopleston's daughter an old w in a moment of temporary insanity recently married my aunt agatha and seccas noches as i believe the expression is she's one of those intellectual girls had been crammed to the bursting point with little gray cells and about a year ago possibly because she was full of the divine fire, but more probably because she wanted something to take her mind off Aunt Agatha, she wrote this novel, and it was well-received by the Intelligentsia, who notoriously enjoy the most frightful bilge. Did you ever read Spindrift? I asked, retrieving the soap. I skimmed through it, sir. What would you think of it? Go on, Jeeves, don't be coy. The word begins with an L. Well, sir, I would not go so far as to apply to it the adjective which I fancy you have in mind, but it seemed to me a somewhat immature production, lacking in significant form. My personal tastes lie more in the direction of Dostoevsky and the great Russians. Nonetheless, the story was not wholly devoid of interest, and might quite possibly have its appeal for the theatre-going public. I mused a while. I was trying to remember something, but I couldn't think what it was. Then I got it. I don't understand this, I said. I distinctly recall Aunt Dahlia telling me that Florence had told her that some manager had taken the play and was going to put it on. Poor misguided sap! I recollect saying, Well, if that is so, why is Percy dashing about trying to get into people's ribs like this? What does he want a thousand quid for? These are deep waters, Jeeves! That is explained in the gentleman's letter, sir. It appears that one of the syndicate financing the venture, who had promised the sum in question, finds himself unable to fulfil his obligations. This, I believe, frequently happens in the world of the theatre. I mused again, letting the moisture from the sponge slide over the torso. Another point presented itself. But why didn't Florence tell Percy to go and have a pop at Stilton Right, She being engaged to him, I mean. One would have thought that Stilton, linked to her by bonds of love, would have been the people's choice possibly mr cheese has not a thousand pounds at his disposal sir that's true i see what you're driving at whereas i have you mean precisely sir the situation had clarified somewhat now that i had the facts i could discern that percy's move had been based on sound principles when you're trying to raise a thousand quid the first essential of course is to go to someone who has got a thousand quid and no doubt he had learned from Florence that I was stagnant with the stuff. But where he had made his error wasn't supposing that I was king of the mugs and in the habit of scattering vast sums like birdseed to all and sundry. Would you back a play, Jeeves? No, sir. Nor would I. I meet him with a firm nolle prosequi. I think, don't you, and keep the money in the old oak chest. I would certainly advocate such a move, sir. Right. Percy gets the bird. Let him eat cake. And now to a more urgent matter. While I'm dressing, will you be mixing me a strengthening cocktail? Certainly, sir. A martini or one of my specials. The latter. I spoke in no uncertain voice. It was not merely the fact that I was up against an evening with a couple whom Aunt Dahlia, always a good judge, had described as creeps that influenced this decision on my part. I needed fortifying for another reason. These last few days, with Jeeves apt to return at any moment, it had been borne in upon me I should require something pretty authoritative in the way of praises to nerve me for what would inevitably be a testing encounter, calling for all that I had of determination and the will to win. If I was to emerge from it triumphant, no stone must be left unturned and no avenue unexplored. You know how it is when two strong men live in close juxtaposition if juxtaposition is the word I want. Differences arise, wheels clash, bones of contention pop up and start turning handsprings. No one was more keenly alive than I to the fact that one such bone was scheduled to make its debut the instant I swam into his ken, and mere martinis, I felt, despite their numerous merits, would not be enough to see me through the ordeal that confronted me. It was in quite fairly tense a mood i dried and clothed the person, and while it would perhaps be too much to say that as I entered the sitting-room some quarter of an hour later, I was a Twitter, I was unquestionably conscious of a certain choppiness. When Jeeves came in with the shaker, I dived at it like a seal going after a slice of fish and drained a quick one, scarcely pausing to say, ''Skin off your nose.'' The effect was magical. That apprehensive feeling left me to be succeeded by a quiet sense of power. I cannot put it better than by saying that as the fire coursed through my veins, Worcester the timid fawn became in a flash, Worcester the man of iron will, ready for anything. What Jeeves inserts in these specials of his I have never ascertained. But their moral building force is extraordinary. They wake the sleeping tiger in a chap. "'Well, to give you some idea, I remember once, after a single one of them striking the table with a clenched fist "'and telling my Aunt Agatha to stop talking rot, and I'm not sure it wasn't Bobby-Rot. "'One of your best and brightest, Jeeves,' I said, refilling the glass. "'The weeks among the shrimps have not robbed your hand of its cunning.' "'He didn't reply. Speech seemed to have been wiped from his lips.' and I saw, as I had foreseen would happen, that his gaze was riveted to the upper slopes of my mouth. It was a cold and disapproving gaze, such as a fastidious luncher, who was not fond of caterpillars, might have directed at one which he had discovered in his portion of salad, and I knew that the clash of wheels for which I had been bracing myself was about to raise its ugly head. I spoke suavely but firmly. "'You can't beat suave firmness on these occasions, "'and thanks to that life-giving special "'I was able to be as firmly suave as Billy-O. "'There was no mirror in the sitting-room, "'but had there been, and had I caught a glimpse of myself in it, "'I have no doubt I should have seen something closely resembling "'a haughty seigneur of the old regime "'about to tell the domestic staff just where it got off. "'Something appears to be arresting your attention, Jeeves. "'Is there smut on my nose?' his manner continued frosty there are moments when he looks just like a governess one of which was this one no sir it is on the upper lip a dark stain like mulligatawny soup I gave a careless nod ah yes I said the mustache that is what you are alluding to is it not I grew up while you were away rat and naughty, don't you think no sir I do not "'I moistened my lips with the special, still suave to the gills. "'I felt strong and masterful. "'You dislike the little thing?' "'Yes, sir.' "'You don't feel it gives me a sort of air, or how shall I put it, a kind of diablerie?' "'No, sir.' "'You hurt and disappoint me, Jeeves,' I said, "'sipping a couple of sips and getting suave all the time. "'I can understand your attitude if the object under advisement "'was something bushy and waxed at the ends.' like a sergeant major's but is merely the delicate wisp of vegetation with which David Niven has for years been winning the applause of millions when you see David Niven on the screen you don't recoil in horror do you sir no sir his mustache is very becoming to Mr. Niven but mine isn't to me no sir it is at moments like this that a man realizes that the only course for him to pursue if he is to retain his self-respect is to unship the velvet hand and the iron glove, or rather, the other way around. Weakness at such a time is fatal. There are limits, I mean to say, and sharply defined limits at that. And these limits I felt he had passed by about a mile and a quarter. I yield to nobody in my respect for Jesus' judgment in the matter of socks, shoes, shirts, hats, and cravats. But I was dashed if I was going to have him muscling in and trying to edit the of face. I finished my special and spoke in a quiet level voice. I am sorry, Jeeves. I had hoped for your sympathy and cooperation, but if you are unable to see your way to sympathising and cooperating, so be it. Come what may, however, I shall maintain the status quo. It is status quos that people maintain, isn't it? I have been put to considerable trouble and anxiety growing this moustache, and I do not propose to hew it off just because certain prejudiced parties whom I will not justify, don't know a good thing when they see it. Je suis rest, Jeeves, I said, becoming a bit Parisian. Well, after this splendid exhibition of resolution on my part, I suppose there was nothing much the chap could have said except very good, sir, or something of that sort. But, as it happened, he hadn't time to say even that, for the final word had scarcely left my lips when the front doorbell tootled he shimmered out, and a moment later shimmered in again. Mr. Cheeseright, he announced, and in clumped the massive form of the bird to whom he'd alluded, the last person I had expected to see, and for the matter of that, about the last one I wanted to. Chapter 2 I don't know if you had the same experience, but I always found that there are certain blokes whose mere presence tends to make me ill at ease. Inducing the nervous laugh, the fiddling with the tie, and the embarrassed shuffling of the feet. Sir Roderick Glossop, the eminent loony doctor, until circumstances so arranged themselves that I was enabled to pierce the forbidding exterior and see his better, softer side, was one of these. J. Washburn Stoker, with his habit of kidnapping people on his yacht, and generally throwing his weight about like a pirate of the Spanish Main, was another and a third is this G. Darcy Stilton Cheeseright. Catch Bertram Worcester vis-à-vis with him, and you do not catch him at his best. Considering that he and I have known each other, since, as you might well say, we were so high, having been at private school, eaten in Oxford together, we ought, I suppose, to be like Damon in What's-His-Name, but we aren't by any means. I generally refer to him in conversation as That Blighter Stilton, while he, I've been informed by usually reliable sources, makes no secret of his surprise and concern that I'm still on the right side of the walls of Colney Hatch or some similar institution. When we meet, there's always a certain stiffness and what Jeeves would call an imperfect fusion of soul. One of the reasons for this is, I think, that Stilton used to be a policeman. He joined the force on coming down from Oxford, with the idea of rising to a position of eminence at Scotland Yard, a thing you find a lot of the fellows you know doing these days. True, he turned in his truncheon and whistle shortly afterwards because his uncle wanted him to take up another walk of life. But these Rosers, even when retired, never quite shake off that where-were-you-on-the-night-of-June-15th manner, and he seldom fails when we run into one another to make me feel like a rat of the underworld, detained for questioning in connection with some recent smash-and-grab raid. Add the fact that this uncle of his wins his bread as a magistrate at one of the London police courts, and you will understand why I avoid him as much as possible, and greatly prefer him elsewhere. The man of sensibility shrinks from being closeted with an ex-blue bottle with magistrate blood in him. In my demeanour accordingly, as I rose to greet him, a close observer would have noted more than a touch of that "'To what am I indebted for the honour of this visit?' stuff. I was at a loss to imagine what he was doing invading my privacy like this. And another thing that had me fogged was why, having invaded it, he was standing staring at me in a stern, censorious sort of way, as if the sight of me had got right in amongst him, revolting his finest feelings.' I might have been some dreg of society whom he had caught in the act of slipping a couple of ounces of cocaine to some other dreg. Ho, he said, and this alone would have been enough to tell an intelligent bystander, had there been one, that he had spent some time in the ranks of the force. One of the first things the big four teach the young recruit is to say ho.
1: I thought as much.
0: He went on, knitting the brow.
1: Swilling cocktails, eh? This was the moment
0: when, had conditions been normal, I would no doubt have laughed nervously, fingering the tie and shuffling the feet. But with two of Jeeves' specials under my belt, still exercising their powerful spell, I not only remained intrepid, but retorted with considerable spirit, putting him right in his place. "'I fail to understand you, officer,' I said coldly. "'Correct me if I am wrong, but I believe this is the hour when it is customary for an English gentleman to partake of a short snifter. Will you join me?' His lip curled. Most unpleasant. These coppers are bad enough when they leave their lips in status quo.
1: "'No, I won't,' he replied curtly and offensively. "'I don't want to ruin my constitution. What do you suppose those things are going to do to your eye and your power of control?' How can you expect to throw doubles if you persist in stupefying yourself with strong drink? It's heartbreaking. I saw it all. He was thinking of the dart sweep.
0: The annual dart sweep is one of the high spots of life at the drones club. It never fails to stir the sporting instincts of the members, causing them to roll up in dense crowds and purchase tickets at Ten Barber Go, with the result that the sum in the kitty is always colossal. This time my name had been drawn by Stilton. And as Horace Pendlebury Davenport, last year's winner, had gone and got married, and at his wife's suggestion resigned his membership, the thing was pretty generally recognised as a sitter for me, last year's runner-up. Worcester, the word flew to and fro, is the deadest of snips. He throws a beautiful dart. So I suppose it was only natural away that standing, if all went well, to scoop in a matter of £56.10 shillings, "'Stilton should feel that it was his mission in life "'to see that I kept at the peak of my performance. "'But that didn't make this incessant surveillance of his "'any easier to endure. "'Ever since he had glanced at his ticket, seen that it bore the name of Worcester, "'and learned that I was a red-hot favourite for the tourney, "'his attitude towards me had been that of an official at Borstal, "'told off to keep an eye on a more-than-ordinary "'up-and-coming juvenile delinquent. "'He had a way of looming up beside me at the club.' "'stiffing quickly at my glass and giving me an accusing look, "'coupled with a sharp whistling intake of breath. "'And here he was now doing the same thing in my very home. "'It was worse than being back in a little Lord Fortinroy suit and ringlets "'and having a keen-eyed nurse always at one's elbow "'watching one's every move like a barley hawk. "'I was about to say how deeply I resented being tailed up in this manner "'when he
1: resumed. "'I've come here tonight to talk to you seriously, Worcester.'
0: He said, frowning in a most unpleasant manner.
1: I'm shocked at the casual, frivolous way in which you are treating the darts tournament. You seem not to be taking the most elementary precautions to ensure victory on the big day. It's the old, old story. overconfidence. confidence All these fat heads keep telling you you're sure to win, and you suck it down like one of your beastly cocktails. Well, let me tell you... You're living in a fool's paradise. I happened to look in at the drones this afternoon, and Freddy Wigeon was at the dashboard, stunning all beholders with a performance that took the breath away. His accuracy was sensational.
0: I waved a hand and tossed the head. In fact, I suppose you might say I bridled. He had wounded my amour propure. Pshaw, I said, registering scorn. Eh? I said pshaw! With reference to F. Wiggen. I know his form backwards and forwards.
1: Flashy but no staying power. The man will be less than dust beneath my chariot wheels. That's what you think. As I said before, overconfidence. You can take it from me that Freddy is a very dangerous competitor. I happen to know he's been in strict training for weeks. He's knocked off smoking and has a cold bath every morning. Did you have a cold bath this morning?
0: "'Certainly not! What do you suppose the hot tap's for?'
1: "'Do you do Swedish exercises before breakfast?'
0: "'I wouldn't dream of such a thing. Leave these excesses
1: to the Swedes, I say.' "'No.' "'Said Stilton bitterly.' "'All you do is riot and revel and carouse. "'I am told that you were at that party of Cats Meat Potter Peerbrights last night. "'You probably reeled home at three in the morning, rousing the neighbourhood with drunken shouts.' "'I raised a haughty eyebrow. "'This police persecution was intolerable.
0: "'Was I in Russia? "'You could scarcely expect me, constable,' I said coldly, "'to absent myself from the farewell supper of a boyhood friend "'who's living for Hollywood in a day or two "'and may be away from civilization for years. Casmeat would have been pained in his foundations if I had oiled out.
1: "'And it wasn't three in the morning. It was two-thirty. "'Did you drink anything?' The mirror sip and smoke the mirror cigar i don't believe you i'll bet if the truth was known said stilton morosely intensifying the darkness of his frown you lowered yourself to the level of the beasts of the field i'll bet you whooped it up like a sailor in a marseille bistro and from the fact that there is a white tie round your neck and a white waistcoat attached to your foul stomach at this moment. I gather you're planning to be off shortly to some other nameless orgy. I laughed one of my quiet laughs.
0: The word amused me. Orgy, eh? I'm giving a dinner to some friends of my aunt Dahlia's, and she strictly warned me to lay off the old Falernian because my guests are teetotalers. When the landlord fills the flowing bowl, it will be with lemonade, barley water, or possibly lime juice. So much for your nameless orgies. This, as I had expected, had a mollifying effect on his acerbity, if acerbity is the word I want. He did not become more genial because he couldn't. But he became as nearly genial as it was in his power to be. He practically smiled. Capital, he said. Capital
1: most satisfactory. I'm glad you're pleased. Well, good night. Teetotalers, eh? Well, that's excellent. But avoid all rich foods and sauces, and be sure to get to bed early. What was that you said? I said good night. You'll be wanting to run along, no doubt. I'm not running along. He looked at his watch. Why the devil are women always late? He said peevishly. She ought to have been here long ago. I've told her over and over that if there's one thing that makes Uncle Joe furious, it's being kept waiting for his soup. This introduction of the sex motif puzzled me. She? Florence. She's meeting me here. We're dining with my uncle.
0: Oh, I see. Well, well. So Florence will be with us ere long, will she? Splendid, splendid, splendid. I spoke with quite a bit of warmth and animation trying to infuse a cheery note into the proceedings, and immediately wished I hadn't, because he quivered like a palsy patient and gave me a keen glance, and I saw that we had got on to dangerous ground. A situation of considerable delicacy had been precipitated. One of the things which makes it difficult to bring about a beautiful friendship between G. Darcy Cheeseright and self is the fact that not long ago I unfortunately got tangled up in his love life. Incensed by some crack he had made about modern enlightened thought, modern enlightened thought being practically a personal body of hers, Florence gave him the swift heave-ho, and much against my will, but she seemed to wish it, became betrothed to me. And this had led Stilton, a man of volcanic passions, to express a desire to tear me limb from limb and dance buck-and-wing dances upon my remains. He also spoke of stirring up my face like an omelette and buttering me over the West End of London. Fortunately, before matters could proceed to this awful extreme, love resumed work at the old stand, with the result that my nomination was cancelled and the peril passed. But he's never really got over to the distressing episode. Ever since then, the green-eyed monster has always been more or less rounded about, ready to snap into action with the drop of a hat. And he has tended to dock at me as a snake in the grass that can do with a lot of watching. So, though disturbed, I was not surprised that he now gave me that keen glance and spoke in a throaty growl, like a Bengal tiger snarling over its breakfast coolie.
1: What do you mean, splendid? Are you so anxious to see her?
0: I saw that tact would be required. Not anxious, exactly, I said smoothly. The word is too strong. It's just that I would like to have her opinion of this moustache of mine. She is a girl of taste, and I would be prepared to accept the verdict. Shortly before you arrived, Jeeves was subjecting the growth to some destructive criticism, and it shook me a little. What do you think of it, by the way?
1: I think it's ghastly. Ghastly? Revolting. You look like something in the chorus line of a touring review. But you say Jeeves doesn't like it? He didn't seem to. Ah, so you'll have to shave it. Thank God for that.
0: I stiffened. I resent the view so widely held in my circle of acquaintance that I am a mere hey-you in the home, bowing to Jesus' behests like a Hollywood yes-man. Over my dead body I'll shave it. It stays just where it is, rooted to the spot. A fig for Jeeves, if I may use the expression.
1: He shrugged his shoulders. Well, it's up to you, I suppose if you don't mind making yourself an saw. I stiffened a bit further. Do you
0: say an
1: I saw was what I said.
0: Oh, it was, was it? I reposted. And it is possible that had we not been interrupted, the exchanges would have become heated, for I was still under the stimulating influence of one of those specials and in no mood to brook backchat. But before I could tell him that he was a fat-headed ass, Incapable of recognising the rare and the beautiful if handed to him on a skewer, the doorbell rang again and Jeeves announced it was Florence!